What's going on, y'all? You tune into the Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast. I'm your host, Big Sarge. Make sure you follow me on the Twitter with Big Sarge Sports with the Z at the end. And that's on Instagram. That's on YouTube. Hey, Big Sarge salute to my YouTube family. Uh, oh, BigSargeSports.com. Matter of fact, just type in, go to Google, put in Big Sarge Sports with the Z at the end, and then let my big chocolate self just pop up on you. You'd be like, whoa, look at that chocolate velvet teddy bear. Can I call myself the velvet teddy bear, though? Because I thought that was Ruben Studded. And Ruben Studded was the chocolate velvet teddy bear, right? No, he was just the velvet teddy bear. So what happened when he lost all that weight? What did he become then? Teddy Graham? That's neither here nor there. <laughs> Once again, you're tuned into the Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast. Uh, there's some huge divisional games this past weekend in the NFL. I, for one, was very excited that the uh, NFL had competitive games. Games that we didn't think was going to be good ended up being good. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how the Oilers, I mean the Titans, got a big victory in Baltimore. The 49ers had to do like a single mom in a department store with three boys and put their hands on the Vikings. Side note, that was like every Saturday for me and my brothers. Every Saturday for me and my brothers, we had like a, there was an appointment for us to get a whooping right after we came from the Kmart. Now, look, some of you are millennials and you know, you like to call us boomers. So some of us boomers remember Kmart. Some of you millennials have no clue what Kmart is. You like, do they sell that on Amazon? No, they don't. Uh, Mr. Sierra, Mr. Sierra, Russell Wilson, let me see you one, two step. Um, Everybody get on the hoe. Hey, guess what? I don't know the words. I'm just trying to make them up as I go. But, Mr. Sierra, uh, the Packers told you to one-two-step your ass to the loser's couch as the Seahawks got eliminated by the Packers this past weekend. But y'all know why we're here. Y'all know exactly why we are here. (sighs) Let's get to the real reason. So the Texans, right, they wanted their own Houston Oilers moment. They wanted their own Houston Oilers moment. Since Bud Adams took all the history away, since Bud Adams took everything away when he moved the team from Houston to Tennessee, he took all the history with him, everything. So I guess the Texans figured that they wanted their own, they want their own comeback game. It's like it wasn't good enough that the Oilers history consisted of a 35-3 debacle, a 35-3 blown lead that they had in the wild card January 3rd, 1993. What was you doing when Frank Reich led, who is, by the way, the coach of the Indianapolis coach right now, but Frank Reich, the backup quarterback, led the Buffalo Bills Back from despair, there was no hope. And then all of a sudden, it was 35 to 3. And then they ended up winning 41-38. Look, if I'm a Texas fan, I'm on social media right now, and I'm calling in the sports talk radio shows. I'm calling everything. And I'm letting them know, fire the whole staff. Everybody got to go. Everybody has to go. I'm talking about... Uh, the equipment manager, I'm talking about the concessions people, hell, even Fatoro. 
Let Toro go too. I mean, like they need to just start all over again. If I'm a Texas fan, I'm hurt. I'm upset. I'm mad. And I've listened to some of the shows. I've heard you all call in. I know you're hurt. I'm hurt for you. And I'm not even a Texas fan. And I'm hurt for you. 17 years of winning a wild card game and then getting to the division around and you're losing. You've never been to an AFC championship game in your life. There are Texas fans right now that has never seen an AFC championship game. And it's time. It, it's just the, the mediocrity has to stop. Okay. Fans are, are tired of saying, well, at least we made it to the playoffs. And like I said, I'm a Cowboys fan. So I'm not here on behalf of, I mean, I'm not here uh, trying to be a Texas fan. I'm not. But I feel sorry for you as well because it's time. It's time. So Kansas City beat the Texans coming back from a 24-point deficit to outscore the Texans 51-7. to And they won the AFC Division around game 51-31 to to advance to the AFC Championship game against None other than the Tennessee Titans, a.k.a. Houston Oilers. Funny thing about that game. There's a meme going around right now. And it says, first quarter champs. Yeah, first quarter champs. The Texans was first quarter champs. They got a 54-yard touchdown pass from Deshaun Watson to Kenny Stills. Then they got a block punt for a touchdown. And then the return man for the Kansas City Chiefs muffed a punt. And that led to a four-yard touchdown pass from Watson to Darren Fells. So everything was going the Texans' way. Like, everything that could happen for the Texans was going for the Texans. The defense held Mahomes to 43 yards passing. And tight end Travis Kelsey to 20 yards receiving. But I think that Kansas City... Must have cut the Wi-Fi off in the second in the second quarter. Yeah, because you know that now, you know, for the last couple of years, they've been using these Surface Pros on the sideline, and they're using these tablets to go back and look at plays. You know, back in the day, they used to use pictures. So they had somebody that would send the pictures down, and they'd print them out, and right there, and they would just go through the pictures, go through the pictures, go through the pictures. But now they go through a Surface Pro, and it uses the Wi-Fi. And I'm... I, because Patrick Mahomes looks sneaky. I'm pretty sure he gave some type of sign and say, click, 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 click. I wonder if he learned that from the Patriots. I'm pretty sure he picked up something from the Patriots after playing them all these years and be like, hey, click, 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 checking something. And they must cut the Wi-Fi off because after that, once they cut the, once they cut the Wi-Fi off, the Texans seemed like they couldn't play anymore. It seems like they did not know what to do. And I'm saying to myself, come on, bro. Come on. You, you, you cannot do this. You score a field goal. You're up 24 to nothing. 24 to nothing. And then you allow them to just start coming back. They just start, they just start slowly but surely just coming back and coming back. And coming back. And all of a sudden, all the plays on the offensive side of the ball, all the plays on the defensive side of the ball just went out the window. Like, I'm truly upset as just a sports media personality for the fans of the city of Houston. 
And this ain't no joke. I'm not trying to sit here and patronize the Texans fans. I'm not sitting here trying to, uh, you know, throw shots or subliminal slugs at the Texans fans. I'm not. That's not what I'm here for. I do that perfectly fine on social media. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, Big Star Sports with a Z. I do that perfectly fine on there. But to watch this team surrender a 24-point lead as if they were not even up 24 points. It's like all of a sudden everything just kicked in and kicked in. So I'm going to get to the two biggest plays that they've talked about since that game. Since the game on Sunday, I'm going to get to the two biggest plays, and I'm going to talk about them for myself. So the first one was the field goal they kicked in the second quarter on fourth and one. That's the play where Coach O'Brien has said that he didn't have a good fourth and one play that he wanted to use. He didn't have a good fourth and one play that he wanted to run. And I'm saying to myself, you have one of the most dynamic quarterbacks to ever play the game. If Deshaun Watson stays healthy, if Deshaun Watson has his, uh, a full-length career like we know he should have, if he avoid injuries, major injuries, Deshaun Watson is going to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you cannot find a play for him? Not one. Now, I know you just watched the Baltimore Ravens the night before get stopped on fourth and one and fourth and inches twice. Okay, I get it. But you're the Houston Texans. Your history, your fans, your franchise is on the line. You're fighting to get to the next to the next level. You have an opportunity to get to the AFC Championship game for the very first time. And on fourth and one, you decide to kick a field goal, Bill. That isn't the thing that got to me, though. Kicking the field goal isn't what got to me. I'm going to tell you what got to me. What got to me was the fact that Bill didn't challenge the spot. If you go back and you look at that play before on third and nine, Watson throws the ball to Duke Johnson. When he falls down, he falls down in the first down. And Bill doesn't challenge it. And I'm saying to myself, Bill, I just watched you last week at NRG in the, in the AFC wildcard game against the Buffalo Bills challenge a pass interference call against Deshaun, I mean, I'm sorry, against DeAndre Hopkins in the first quarter. And here you are in the AFC division round with an opportunity to be able to go to the next round and you won't challenge the spot? Not only that, you don't challenge a spot, you don't have a play together, and so you end up kicking a field goal. You end up kicking a field goal. They come down. They, you, you kick the ball off, I think, to the one or whatever the case may be. So move on to the next play that bothered me. The fake punt on fourth and four on the very next possession. On the very next possession, it's fourth and four. So you got Justin Reed going to the left. You got Justin Reed going back to the right. You got Justin Reed going to the left. You got Justin Reed coming back to the right. And all the while, the Kansas City defender is following him. Who's not watching this? Who's not watching this defender walking everywhere? And when Eric Reed moves, he moves. 
That lets you know that they're in man. And what I mean by they're in man, they've already picked out, hey, I got this guy, I got this guy, I got this guy. So the guy following Eric Reed is his man. Who couldn't see that they should have called off the fake punt? Who didn't see that? And here's the thing. Both of those plays are on Coach O'Brien. Both of them are. That's all on you. That's why they keep saying, fire you, Coach O'Brien. That's why they keep saying, fire you. Because of these type of decisions that you make. Does it not mean anything to you? I know it does. I know as a coach, it does mean something to you. But have you ever just stopped to take it to consideration since what, 2014? I think you've been here since 2014. Have you ever taken into consideration the fans at all? Have you ever thought about the fans just one time? Just once. I know that you got a lot going on. You're the head coach. You're the general manager. I know that you got a lot going on. But when you got an opportunity like this, you came into the day knowing that there was an opportunity for you to win and be able to go to the AFC Championship game and host it at NRG. Do you know what that would have done for the city of Houston? And yet, you're still playing games like it's the preseason? You're still calling uh, the game like it's the preseason? You put players in the doghouse for less. You put players in the doghouse for not doing what they were supposed to do or playing up to your standards. So who puts you in the doghouse? What doghouse do you go to, Coach O'Brien? That is horrible what you're doing to the city of Houston and those fans. And at the end of the day, I know it don't mean nothing to you. But you know who it means something to? The people who buy the paraphernalia. The Texans gear. The people who pay to come down and tailgate. The people who buy the tickets. The people who pay for the tickets to come into the stadium. The people who go to the concession stand. The city of Houston fans. That's what it means something to. I just don't understand. So after that, after those plays, the floodgates opened up for Mahomes. They scored on an NFL record seven straight possessions. Wait, hold on. Y'all, y'all, did y'all hear what I said? I said they scored on seven straight possessions. Wait, wait, wait. Travis Kelsey just caught another touchdown. Travis Kelsey just caught another touchdown. Because that was horrible that you all couldn't stop Travis Kelsey from scoring. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Romeo Cornell, Coach Cornell, you called a horrible game. If you're going to double team Travis Kelsey, tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, double him strongly, not with a, a, a man soft zone. That is not what you do. Coach, Coach Cornell, that was horrible. It's Tuesday. You ain't t- tended your resignation yet. 
Coach O'Brien ain't gonna do it because he's a general manager too. But you haven't you haven't tended your resignation yet at all. You let them score on the NFL. This is the first time in NFL history that a team has been up by 24 points. And then guess what? Lo I mean, up by 20 points and lost by 20 points. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Period. It doesn't make any sense at all. The last two playoff games versus the Chiefs, the Texans have been outscored 81 to 31. That includes a 2015 blowout of 30 to nothing. You've been outscored by 50 points. And just like I said earlier, that's why Fire Coach O'Brien has become Fire Bill, Fire Bob. That's why it is a chant in Houston. Maybe, hold on. You know what? We're in the city of Houston. Let me do it the right way for you, Coach O'Brien. Five, five, oh, oh, five, five, oh, oh, five, five, Brian, Brian. Let me chop and screw it for you. Let me slow it down for you. Five, Coach O'Brien, ah, uh, ah, uh, double tap it for you. Was that better? Can you hear it now? That is a common theme for the city of Houston. So I did a little search. I did a little research. And here we go. Since Coach O'Brien was hired in 2014, he has a record of 52 and 44. Eight games over 500. He is only eight games over 500. Jason Garrett just got fired for less. Jason Garrett just got fired by the Dallas Cowboys. He had a similar record like this, right? But here's the thing. Let's really break it down and listen to... I'm going to take you through his years since he's been here and his records. 2014, 9-7. 2015, 9-7. 2016, 9-7. 2017, 4-12. 2018, 11-5. 2019, 10-6. No AFC championship appearances. Four playoff appearances. His record is 2-4. At least Kubiak was two and two. At least. Coach O'Brien, I think that it's honestly time for you to go. I don't know if they're going to fire you. I don't know if they're going to get rid of you. I don't know. But I know that they should. All right, y'all, about to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about, have we seen this before? Like, I think that we've seen this before. It's becoming 2017. I mean, I'm sorry, it's becoming 2007. Not 2017. It's becoming 2007 all over again. We'll be back. Hey, Big Sarge here. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you check out the Sports Business Podcast hosted by Eric Compton, a.k.a. Mr. Town Business. Eric brings his wealth of sports knowledge to the airwaves to give you analysis and entertainment on a weekly basis. Oh, and he lets me co-host from time to time. Ain't that great? So once again, make sure you subscribe to the Sports Business Podcast. That's Sports, S-P-O-R-T-Z, Business, B-I-Z-N-E-S-S, Podcast. Available on all platforms. Hey, welcome back. You're tuning into the Sports Talk Podcast. 
Sports Talk with the Big Sarge podcast. I'm sorry, y'all. I, I messed that whole thing up. I'm doing something right now. I'm, I'm doing a small little research. I apologize. Let's start this thing all over again. Hey, welcome back. You're tuning to the Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast. I'm your host, Big Sarge. Make sure you follow me on the Twitter at Big Sarge Sports with a Z. And you can find me on Instagram at the same name. And you can find me on YouTube at the same name. And you can find me at Big Sarge Sports. Dot com. Make sure you read all my articles right there. And I'm also the sports editor of Houston Style Magazine. Make sure you check that out, too. All right, before we went to the break, I was telling you all that we've seen this before. Like, I've been here before. 2007. I've been here before. So, there are some things that have happened during my time as a Dallas Cowboys fan that makes me emotional. Like, gets all up in my spirit. Get Big Sarge just to moving and just like, why? The Dwight Clark catch. When the San Francisco 49ers advanced to the Super Bowl, when Joe Montana scrambled out, threw the ball, looked like he was throwing it out, and all of a sudden Dwight Clark just jumps up there and catches the ball and breaks my heart and makes me cry as a child. I know I need counseling. Tony Romo's botching the hole in the playoff game in Seattle. And I understand there's been some conspiracy theories that said that the Seattle Seahawks gave a brand new slick ball on that kick. And that's why Tony Romo botched the kick. That doesn't mean that it's going to hurt any less. Cowboys should have won that game. Uh, The Des Bryant catch. In Green Bay. The Des Bryant catch in Green Bay. It was a catch. It was a catch. Fourth down. We needed that. Des went and got that. It was a catch. Don't come back and tell me three, four years later. Well, you know what? I think we made a mistake. Des Bryant did catch the ball. We all knew that. Side note. Shout out to Mike McCarthy, man. Mike McCarthy got hired by Dallas Cowboys this past week. Yeah, yada, 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 woo, do, woo, do, woo, whatever. I want a Chris Richard anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Hey, Mike McCarthy, congratulations. Yay! They got rid of Jason Garrett, and they brought you in. I'm sorry, I'm emotional right now. Even talking about writing it, I got emotional. But saying it now, I'm like, oh, my God, I've been through some traumatic experiences as a Dallas Cowboys fan. We're not going to even talk about the 8-8 eight and eight this past season. We're not going to even talk about losing to the Jets. To the J-E-T-S Jets. Jets. Oh, my God. I'm hurting. <sighs> but I digress. The game that really gets me, though, happened in 2008. That's the game that really got me. The Cowboys had just finished 13-3, and won the NFC East, and gained a first-round bye. Now, y'all remember that as the Mexico game, right? Y'all remember that as the Mexico game. That's the game where, during the bye week, Wade Phillips told these young men who played for him, hey, get away from football for a while. Clear your minds. So Tony Romo and Jason Witten took it upon themselves to think that, oh, he may lead the country. Oh, we're going to go down to Mexico. No, that isn't what he meant. What he meant was, hey, stay in town 
Clear your mind. Go do paintball or something. Bowling. Play Miss Pac-Man. Do some uh, play PlayStation. Do something else. Don't go out of the country. Y'all remember that? They went down out of they went out of the country. Romo and Witten. Was this the Jessica Simpson times? Yes, it was. So they came back and they played a horrible game against the New York Giants, who was a wild card team at 10 and 6. Romo threw for 201 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. And Witten had 81 yards receiving. Horrible. They lost. Lackluster to say the least. But once again, I digress. That 2007 New York Giants team was scrappy. And they knew that they were playing with house money. No one expected them to win. Yet they beat the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Packers, and the juggernaut, the juggernaut New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl. So as I'm... Got me to thinking the other day. I'm saying to myself, I didn't seen this before. Saturday night, I'm sitting in my recliner and I'm saying to myself, I seen this before. Do you know who was on that Patriots team that watched that hardworking Giants team overcome all odds and win it all? You know who was on that team? You know who played linebacker on that Patriots team? The year that the New York Giants went from a wild card, from the wild card position to win the Super Bowl. Titans coach Mike Vrabel. Yeah, Tennessee Titans coach Mike Vrabel. And he's using that same blueprint as he continues to shock the world by defeating teams that they are predicted to lose to. Now, I predicted that they were that they that the Tennessee Titans would beat the New England Patriots. And there were some other people. Now, I don't want to take all the credit because there were some other people who said that they were going to win as well. So I would I would have to say that, you know, there was other people besides Big Sarge who thought that they would win the game. And they did. Now, they didn't win it in grand fashion. I think they wanted 14. I'm sorry. They wanted 20 to 13. That's because uh, Tom Brady threw a pick six at the end of the game. But the score was 14 to 13 until he threw that pick six at the end of the game. But they defeated the reigning Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots. Go on to the next week into the AFC divisional round. They ain't nobody's predicting them. Uh, uh, nobody's picking them to win against the Baltimore Ravens, the team that has. The uh the the 2019 NFL MVP he hasn't been awarded it yet but he will get it Lamar Jackson quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens this team out of that, that I think that they were 14 and two or something like that coming into that game they had they were they had the best record in the NFL they had got a first round bye they were the best team in the AFC. And here comes a team like the Tennessee Titans who had to fight for a position in the playoffs the last week. Week 17, they're still fighting to try to get into the playoffs. They had to come here to NRG to to win in order just to make it into the playoffs. And now they're going up against this, this massive monster in the Baltimore Ravens. In Baltimore, 
in big trust, whoop-de-whoop, -whoop, whatever they say, big trust, whoop-de-whoop, -whoop, however Mark Ingram says it, they ain't getting no chance to win that. They don't have a chance to win that, right? But then they upset them. And they beat them in grand fashion. They won 28-12. to Now they're going to the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. A 9-7 team in the regular season who went down to the wire to make it into the playoffs is going to the AFC Championship game. Side note, Texans, you won the AFC South, the same division that the Tennessee Titans are in, and you should have been hosting them this weekend. But you're not. And the Tennessee Titans came in and did what they were supposed to do against the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sorry, I've never seen the Baltimore Ravens this, this season, and I've watched them almost every game they play. I've never seen them so discombobulated. I've never seen them out of sync like that. I never have. They, didn't, they looked like they didn't know what they were doing. And I probably wouldn't know what I was doing either if I had to play against a monster like Derrick Henry. If I had to play against Derrick Henry like that, I probably wouldn't know what I was doing either. The man is a monster. What is he, like 35 yards away from breaking the uh, playoff record for rushing yards? He's a monster. I watched him rush for 200 yards against the Texans right here at NRG Stadium. Mind you now, the Texans weren't playing for anything, but by the same token, I just said, if they stick with this, they're going to win. Ryan Tannehill has not even thrown for over 100 yards in a game. He hasn't thrown for over 100 yards in a game. He is, he's thrown for 160 yards. That's 80 yards per game. And they are going to the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I'm still I, I'm still in disarray. I still can't believe that. That's still crazy to me. I don't understand it. But most of these teams that you're watching now, what are they doing? They're using old school tactics. And if I am Mike Vrabel, I, I don't care. If, I, listen, I will make Tannehill tie one arm behind his back and say, you use this other hand just to pass, I mean, to hand the ball off. That's all I want you to do. I don't want you to do anything else. Just every time Derrick Henry looks up, give him the ball. Every time he looks up, give him the ball. Every time he looks up, give him the ball. And here's the thing. If they if they handle, I mean, if they do it that way, if they stick with that game plan, there's no possible way that they should lose. I'm just going to be honest with you. If they give Derrick Henry the ball like that, if they keep giving Derrick Henry the ball like that and let him run like he's running and he's averaging what? What is he averaging, like 180 yards a, a, a game? Ball control offense like that keeps people like Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. There's no way they can get the ball to Tyreek Hill. There's no way they can get the ball to Travis Kelsey if they're on the sideline. And the Tennessee Titans have everything they need to do ball control offense. And what does that remind you of? That takes you right back to that 2007 New York Giants team that went to the Super Bowl coming out of the wild card position the same way the Tennessee Titans is. So, hey, 
Hats off to you, Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. At least you went back and you did some film study. It, but it probably hurt because y'all had a really good season that year and you had Randy Moss and you still lost. All right, I'm about to get ready to get up out of here. I know I'm not going to talk about what happened between the Packers and the... Uh, I'm not going to talk about what happened between the Packers and the Seahawks. I mean, you watched the game. It was boring. I wish Jadavion Clowney could have advanced. But, I mean, when you got a, a player like Russell Wilson that takes so long to get started, eh, it is what it is. They're going to make all kinds of excuses. They already have made all kinds of excuses on for him. So, eh, I know. I could talk about what happened in the uh, San Francisco 49ers game against the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to say this. I was surprised. I picked the Vikings. That's neither here nor there. You can talk to me later. I picked the Vikings. But San Francisco used that same ball control offense that I just got through talking about. And they just kept hitting them in the mouth with that run game. Kept hitting them in the mouth with that run game. Kept hitting them in the mouth with that run game. And, and, And the Minnesota Vikings couldn't do anything about it. The reason why I'm not going to elaborate on that game is because, one, it was boring. Two, it exposed Jimmy G. And every time I start talking about Jimmy G, and every time I start talking about how bad of a quarterback Jimmy G is, all the Niners nation gets in an uproar. Oh, my God. They go crazy. They go crazy every time I talk about how mediocre he is. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back and I want you to look at, after he threw that interception, how many passes did he have? How many passes did he throw after that? After he threw that interception, what did they end up doing? They just kept giving the ball to the running back. And it was effective. It was. But what's going to happen when you can't do that and you have to depend on Jimmy G? Let me go to his stats. Jimmy Garoppolo, 11 for 19, 131 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. 131 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. And y'all want to get mad at me because I don't want to talk about Jimmy G when I've been telling you all for the whole year that this is who Jimmy G is? I think y'all got caught up in the looks or what I really think happened. And I'm going to be just 110% with it. I'm going to tell you what I really think happened. I think you allowed, I think you allowed um, Bill Belichick to sell you a bill of goods. I think you allowed Bill Belichick to sell you a dud. I think he sold the San Francisco 49ers a dud in Jimmy G. He made him look more than what he is. And Kyle Shanahan tries to help him out as much as he can. But at the end of the day, huh? 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's good to y'all? 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's good. Jimmy G is nothing but a, a, a handsome game manager. And once you all realize that, once you all realize that, we could just move on. Now, normally, this is where I would do an Article 15, and I would talk about how crazy Antonio Brown is. I would normally just go off on Antonio Brown for having penis 
uh, penis-shaped gummies at his disposal to throw at the mother of his kids. Like, who does that? I don't think I've ever seen penis-shaped gummies anywhere. And what are you doing with the heterosexual male Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown, excuse me. Antonio Brown. I'm not going to go there. I want to give a special shout-out to the LSU Tigers. That was one heck of a national championship game that you all played on last night. Uh, you deserved it. You went through the fire. You beat the teams that people didn't think that you were going to beat. You beat the ranked team. Nobody can take that away from you. Undefeated Joe Burrow looked like Joe Montana. No one can take that away from you. Clemson, I can't tell you, you played a good game. I was kind of disappointed in uh, Sunshine, Trevor Lawrence, he, he was in a, uh, ineffective, inconsistent, couldn't throw the, the outs last night, was high on a lot of passes. But, I mean, it's your first loss in two years. It happens. It happens. But this is what I want to talk about before I go. On a podcast yesterday, I talked about the Astros and Major League Baseball coming down on them and suspending Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch for a year piece. And then the owner, Jim Crane, came out and he fired him. The Astros had to pay $5 million in cash to MLB, Major League Baseball, and they lose draft picks in the year 20. 2020 and 2021. We talked about that. I talked about that on the podcast on yesterday. And then I also talked about how it was more than just about sign stealing, that it had a lot to do with the incident that happened in the clubhouse after uh, the Astros advanced to the World Series this year against the Yankees with the walk-off home run by Altuve. And they had that uh, dust-up, a little kerfuffle between the SI reporter and the assistant general manager, uh, Brandon Topman. So it's more than that because the Astros didn't do a great job of coming clean. The Astros didn't do a, the Astros PR department communications and the owner, general manager, they didn't do a good job of coming out and just saying, "Okay, this is what happened. Let us go ahead and face the fire and do this." Major League Baseball felt like that they were embarrassed. I got it. I got it. And on yesterday, I told you how. You know, everybody still signs. They've been stealing signs since the beginning of baseball. That's it. They find very innovative ways. And now I'm hearing that there's eight other teams that are under investigation outside of the Astros and the Red Sox. There's eight other teams that are about to be investigated. So that's neither here nor there. This is the problem that I, this is a problem that I have. And this is what I understand after doing a little bit more research. So let's just take the t- 2017 American League uh, Championship Series. Was that ALDS? The, when they played the Yankees and then they played the uh, Dodgers. So they played the Yankees to win the uh, American League pennant and then advance to the World Series to play the Dodgers. In that Yankees series, the Astros only outscored the Yankees by two runs. Matter of fact, I take that back. The Yankees outscored the Astros. Excuse me. The Yankees outscored the Astros by two runs. And the Astros advanced. Do you all know that the Dodgers had home field advantage in the 2017 World Series? That means there were four games. Four games played in Dodger Stadium. Four. 
three played in the city of Houston. Now, if if if, if the Astros are using all this technology, right? Why wouldn't they use it like what? Well, like they would? I'm sorry, they would use it here at home, right? They would use it down in Minute Maid Park. Three games. Y'all know the Astros lost a game at home to the Dodgers during the World Series. Do you know that the Dodgers scored 34 runs that series and the Astros scored 34 runs that series? In the last two series between the Yankees and uh, with, with the Yankees and the Dodgers, there were seven games that the Astros scored less than three runs. So what advantage do they have? I'm trying to figure this thing out. If in the World Series there were four games played at Dodger Stadium, four. Three games played here, and the Astros lost one here. They won two games at home and two games in Dodger Stadium. Which means they also lost two games in Dodger Stadium. Does the cheating, the, does the cheating devices travel? Do they send their uh, uh, employees out early to set up the camera in center field at Dodger Stadium and say, okay, we're ready, get the trash can, make sure you pack the trash cans? So I don't understand. The Astros played great on the road that year. They were a very good road team. So I get it. I understand. The Astros broke the rules. I got it. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I get it. I got it. The Astros broke the rules. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been punished for breaking the rules. But golly, this hard? This harsh where two people lost their jobs? When we know that it's run rampant throughout Major League Baseball, and what advantage did they gain? What advantage did they gain? If they still had to go to Yankee Stadium and win those, I mean, I'm sorry, to Dodger Stadium and win those games there as well. Somebody got to tell me. Somebody got to make it make sense to me. Make it make sense to me. And then you come down so hard on the Astros. But A-Rod gets to promote Major League Baseball. And didn't he get busted for steroids? Oh, I was advised that I shouldn't say Big Poppy because it was only alleged. It was only alleged that he used steroids one time. You've been tuned in to Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Big Sarge Sports with the Z. I'm out.